1: Welcome back once again to the CHGO Sky podcast as always hosted by CHGO Sports, the most dangerous podcast in Chicago. I am your host Chris Penn and along with your co your host, sorry, hold on. Your host, the mainest man, the, your favorite slot receiver, slot receiver, Stephen Pridgian Garner. Uh, man, time to take a deep breath. And inhale because the season has come to a close for the Chicago Sky after a couple of difficult losses to the Las Vegas Aces in the first round of the playoffs. So I guess we got to start there, man. You know, we talk about the quantitative stuff all season long, the stats, the, um, you know, points, rebounds, assists, rotations, who's in, who's out. Also, the show is presented by DraftKings. Use the code CHGO at DraftKings and get $20 added to your account for your first bet. Apologize. But let's be qualitative for a second. How do you feel at the end of the season? I feel like this team reached this
0: potential. And I think when you look at everything in terms of an all-encompassing way, injuries – Head change, new coach, different philosophies he wants to do, but not having enough time to implement it all. Players having two, three, four-game injuries like Atlanta and Morgan, in addition to what we already spoke on with Izzy and Rebecca. The meshing of pieces, Dana, well, obviously Dana and Kai, but also the new pieces, Marina and Courtney, guards that are not necessarily ball-dominant, but like the ball in their hands more than what they do with it off of it. That's a lot. Elizabeth Williams, a brand-new anchor to a team, four-fifths of your starting lineup are brand-new. Add to that a new head coach, brand-new rotation pieces off the bench, outside of uh, Dana and Ruthie, that's a lot. And to right the ship after having multiple highs and multiple lows and everything mixed in between there, to get a first-round berth, your fifth, time, your fifth time consecutively as a franchise in a season where it, it seemed like it wouldn't happen, you know, you take what you get. Like I mentioned in the last two pies, you just want to punch your ticket to the dance. This team was definitely playoff caliber. And you can check that box off. And you took what came with that. But, you know, they got there. Obviously, no, there's no, um, there's no, um, I don't know what the the verbiage I'm looking for, but there's no moral victories. Yeah. Obviously, you're not just okay with, you know, losing in the first round and not winning a game and not really, really competing for the totality of 40 minutes in either of those games. But the fact that you got there with all the adversities you had to go against, come on, man. You didn't even got to talk about what they transitioned from last season to this season. The team overachieved. And for everybody, especially on Twitter, they had their downs and their lows about the team going into the season. They can't do this. They won't do that. They should tank. All of that stuff. They're not that good. Whatever, whatever. See where they finished at. Like, how many teams are really going to put up a fight against the Aces? And mind you, a team that's not healthy. On top
1: of that, like with a new coach, like come on, man. <laughs> no, it's true. It's, it's very true. I was I was looking back at the um, preseason predictions, and uh, aside from a couple of other interesting ones, the Mystics finishing third was the preseason prediction on uh, WNBA.com. Mm-hmm. The Sky were predicted to finish tenth in the league uh, prior to the season, and as we all know, they made it. They made it up to eighth. Uh, you see that we've got our producer Kevin in with us today. He's what's got, up, guys? What's going on, man? going to oh. be on. <laughs> Had this uh, excellent graphic for us, just showing you the rankings for the for the season. Um, and honestly, it's about where you'd expect for uh, a fringe playoff team. I think the most telling things are, are really interesting. Honestly, that this guy were able to make the playoffs is that opponent field goal percentage. They were second to last in the league in in opponent field goal percentage. They did hold teams well, uh, to hold it down well, shooting from the three. And even though they were there, you know, in the James Wade era, they never got a lot of free throw attempts. They didn't give up that many either, and they didn't give up that many personal fouls. So you see a team that obviously, you know, the numbers don't tell what we just talked about. Um, But this is a team that was able to get a lot of things done offensively when it didn't really seem like they should or could be able to. And then going back to that qualitative analysis of the season, I mean, you go from the start of the season. You go from January. Candace Parker's not coming back. Oh, you know, Courtney Vandersloot, she tested the waters last year. She might do it again. Oh, she's gone. All right, we gotta re sign Azrae Stevens. Well, she's going to LA. Um, Allie Quigley, she's gonna sit the season out. So then he's like, where are you where are you at then? And then like you said, people were talking about tanking, going into the lottery for a draft pick this year and next year. You know, who, who, who could we get? Can we get Caitlin Clark? Oh, you know, Angel Reese looks really good. I mean, the tournament, all of those things going on in March, everybody got to look at Angel, Flaugé Johnson, uh, Caitlin Clark, even Megan Sinano, all of these names that were coming up, Cameron Brink, um, Elizabeth Kitley. And everybody's thinking about that, and then all of a sudden, James Wade swings the deal for Marina Mabry, and every, you could we could probably talk for twenty minutes on the cumulative feelings about the preseason uh, machinations that put this team together. Then Izzy gets injured. Then Rebecca gets injured right after you start the season. Five and three, uh, three and three and one to start the season, and. I don't, it's so hard to put into words all of the feelings that I had each week about this team, never mind the days that we were covering, never mind the months that we had to analyze. But I think that what I said in the before the season that they needed to do, which was important, which was hold the fans' interest, they did that. They kept the core fan base interested, they kept them rooting for the team they kept them involved and they made moves off the court that ensured that they would increase that involvement increase that fan engagement in the future they brought in new ownership they brought in Dwayne Wade which I honestly thought was maybe a couple of years away when it was rumored last year they brought in um, Laura Ricketts which was talked about last year amongst a host of other women investors in the city and without the city and then that you know, the talk about the, the practice space is growing. They talk about separate facilities for the team is growing. And you know that's going to be a primary focus in the offseason. And we had the exit interviews today, which I know you've been following all morning long. Ka said right off the bat that head coach and GM position is going to be split next year. Yeah, that's a lot to um, just kind of
0: process in terms of obviously if you're directly involved in it as a player under contract. So many moving pieces going on around you, whether that be on the roster, whether that be on the roster or if that's obviously in the front office. So many moving pieces, so much uncertainty. But I think Kalia spoke to it uh, today. I can't remember who it was that asked the question. I wish I could attribute them directly. But Kyle basically mentioned with looking at Jewel Lloyd signing her extension, with Kayla McBride signing hers. Like there's a lot of other players that were signing their extensions. Mm -hmm. And she mentioned that it really didn't play a factor in why she signed. Ultimately, she said she felt like she was where she needed to be as far as with the franchise. And obviously she said she consulted with players around the league about different cities and, of course, just you know, um, checking off boxes in terms of just knowing what's going on around you just so that you can make the most astute um, decision that you can for yourself. And that's pretty much what she said she did. She feels like she's where she's supposed to be. She said there's a lot of work to be done in terms of getting, that, getting the franchise back to – the contending status that we've known them to be over the two of the last three seasons. But she said that there's work to be done, but there's quite literally plenty of opportunities to get that. And I think the first thing first is a good bit of health because, I mean,
1: the the Aces, how many games
0: did they lose to their top players this season?
1: (sighs) They had that graphic up, and I was like, I was right. so mad. What was it? Two, Alicia Clark was out for one game. Yeah. I think Kelsey Plum was out for one, one game. One that was it. Correct. So your top six players
0: missed a total of two games. <laughs> like, that makes – like, you can talk about all of the historic stuff, but there's a lot of luck and health in all sports. And when it's not on your side, regardless of how your roster is constructed and all other stuff that might be going on, if the health is not on your side for a season, then it's just going to be an uphill climb. Because it's going to get in the way of a lot of the stuff that you want to do. You want to build continuity, but if you're missing two of your top six players, that's going to make everything tougher. And just, you know, there's just a lot going on with this team this season. So, again, to kind of bring it full circle back to where I was in the beginning, for them to even make the playoffs was a feat in and of itself. And then to, like I said, obviously they didn't contend for the entirety of 40 minutes in both games, but just to be there and to be taking a step in this new rendition was extremely important to the process.
1: No doubt. I mean, that's 6-3 and three record, 6-2 uh, and and six and two over the last eight games just yep. to make the playoffs. Yep. And you see it right here. The team started out promisingly, but there was going to be the swoon that came, that six-game six, six game losing streak, lost 10 of 13 in that stretch, lost Izzy and Bex to injuries, and the only all-star was Kalia Copper. But that the closed the season out um, the way that they did, especially that key win. I mean, key is, is underselling it. The most necessary win of the entire season at Los Angeles, and the way that they they were able to pull that win off. Uh, We're gonna go over the most, you know, favorite moments from the season uh, later in the show, but that last possession against LA, that I think was one of the touchstone moments for this team. The way that, you know, even though they didn't necessarily have everything going together in terms of finishing games out, we talked about fourth quarter struggles all season long. But when they needed to at the end of the game, Elizabeth Williams picked up the slack. Cobb picked up the slack. Dana picked up the slack. Even Courtney got out on on defense. Everybody was moving, rotating, because they knew this was pretty much the season. And they won that game. They earned that game on the road. In a hostile environment, they took Kurt that Miller. game that they needed. <laughs> Everybody's friend Kurt Miller. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they raised the banner. They, uh-huh. they raised the banner Everybody, on Kurt yep, Miller again. That's, right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it was so much that was, uh, and I hate to be lost for words, but I think talking about seasons, even some of the things that I took notes on in preparation for the show about how we could really put this season in perspective don't quite make sense because a successful season technically for any team in any sport is winning a championship. That's the ultimate goal, right? You want to win a championship and in some leagues you, you can get multiple trophies and say soccer or, or cricket or or something like that. Even the, the Olympics, right? You can win one medal, you can win five, but ultimately you want to have something that says you were the best that year. But for really realistically, for this team, after the sixth game, the championship was not going to be within their grasp. So it was how do you keep things going for the future? And that's the same question that a team like Indiana's looking at. How are you building for the future? How are you cementing yourself in this market? And that was the thing for the sky. Could they make the playoffs? Could they set themselves up for success? Next year, and the next year, and the next year, and they they put the building block. They they really put their foot down, and said we are not selling out for one season, and we're, then we're going to be you know another afterthought on the sports pages or in the, on radio, in the minds of Chicagoans. They said we're here, and that's what I'm I'm really hanging my hat on. That's I'm honestly proud of that. I I've seen a lot of teams recently pretty much say, we don't necessarily care about that. And the Sky said, nah, nah, we're, we're, we're focused. And, I mean, that's how the team, the
0: franchise should be looked at. You look at the landscape of Chicago sports right now, there's a lot of mediocrity and inconsistency from season to season. What's the one team that's been consistent in terms of postseason appearances and successes in that? hmm Chicago Sky. Nine of the last 11 years they made the playoffs. And if you want to zoom in even more, look at all of the, again, the adversity they had this season. How many other Chicago teams could take a, um, two jabs to the stomach with injuries to your top six players, to your top six players, lose the head coach and general manager, like literally both in one, at a, seemingly at a last minute's notice, right the ship, do just enough to get to the playoffs, make another appearance? Like there's – there has to be in a in a city that struggles with getting those postseason appearances. That's obviously in love with their sports teams. For a, a for any franchise to get that many postseason appearances, to be the most recent champion, to overcome everything they did this season. Granted, they didn't obviously have the the winning um, total wise regular season or in the playoffs that you typically expect from them, but they made it there. Like that's that's. They're five strides ahead of every other Chicago team right now because <laughs> there's no rebuilding going on as far as tanking and all of that stuff. And there's a bar. Their bar in consistency is so much higher than everybody else's right now, and it's really no comparison. It's really no comparison at this point. And as they go into this new rendition, there's going to be more to prove to keep that bar to keep up with it. But I mean, they they fulfilled it yet again. They made it to the playoffs. They punched that ticket.
1: We got to talk about the playoffs itself. Um, I know it, it could really be a one-sentence review of the of this Aces series because what do you say about a team that never trailed for the first time ever in a, in a WNBA playoff series? It's 26 series, 26 years of WNBA playoff basketball, and the Aces were the first team that never trailed in a series. At the same time, the Sky, I think, you know, they were they were – There were times where I was looking, I was like, okay, it seems like they're out of it. But that fourth quarter yesterday, and we're going to talk about the whole series, but that fourth quarter yesterday, I didn't expect. That came out of almost nowhere for me. And then all of a sudden, you look up and it's a single-digit deficit. Dana Evans in there getting to the basket, getting to the lane, Cobb putting down threes, Marina involved in the offense, and even in the first game, too, when they never really cut it closer than, than 20 at any point, it never felt like the team quit coming. They were they were just overwhelmed by a more talented opponent. But what, what did you see on your side? I know we're talking about qualitative, quantitative, what have you, but what are the things that really stuck out to you in these two games? Well, the first thing that
0: jumps off the screen is that the aces are who we think they are. <laughs> I mean, you can't start anywhere else. Without mentioning that, uh, that team is special. They're the reigning champions for a reason. They have aspirations for doubling up for a reason. And I mean, they are the at this point the golden standard of the W for a reason. They Asia Wilson is however you want to slice it, either the one A or one B best player in the league. There's no number two. She's either one A or one B. Yeah. And last night she or yesterday she was one A. And one a because of, you know everything she does, um, but just kind of looking at it from the sky perspective, the aces they put you in so many compromising situations as a team on offense and defense just because they're so cohesive. That's something that the sky are trying to get back to in terms of having that cohesion. That's a weapon that you can put on other teams. Um, and schematically, just kind of looking at, they just really had the the sky just kind of guessing a lot. There was a lot of on offense for example catching holes in offense they're trying to run sets they're switching their rotations defensively are quicker than you can move the ball at times and that can really bog down your offense in addition to them actually switching so that's flattening out all your actions that just makes life tough and then defensively their ball movement is so on time and on schedule that if your defensive rotations aren't early like you can't even just be on time with them you have to be early if you're not we're going to see what we saw with Kelsey Plum coming off the screen. She kicks it to Chelsea. Chelsea hits the roller because they put two to the ball and they switched. And now before your low man can rotate from the other side, they just got the ball in the middle of the paint for a layup or an end one. And it's just it's just, it's just another level. There's another level. And the sky has shown that they can play at that level. But, again, it's about can you do it, A, when you need it most, and, B, can you do it for 40 minutes? And those were two things that were – they did not have them all season, but they didn't have it consistently enough. And we saw a lot of their inconsistencies and their weaknesses show up in the series. So just kind of looking at it at face value, that's really what kind of stood out to me.
1: I completely agree with that. I, it, was, it was mystifying watching the Aces defensively, offensively, the way they moved the ball, the way they anticipated where the ball was going, even on fast breaks, like fast break opportunities. Mm-hmm. You expect to see teams running back in transition, especially with a team like the Sky – Courtney Williams, um, Kalia Copper, they can get up and down the floor so quickly. But no, here's Jackie Young jumping a pass. Here's Kelsey Plum hanging back. Um, There were a few hit-aheads where they were just anticipating where the ball was going and moving to it Mm -hmm. and either knocking the ball out of bounds or getting steals. Alicia Clark was there, which we know Alicia Clark's a good defensive player. But they have a mentality of just keep it. They want to keep you on the defensive end of the floor. It feels like a, a football team, a gridiron football team, that just wants to keep you on your side of the field. They're not mm-hmm. going to let you move the ball past midfield, mm-hmm. and, all, and all defensively they're going to stick you in the red zone for most of the game. That's what the Aces do. They just keep pressing. And I think that was like just magnified in Asia Wilson. She had a somewhat subpar game on Friday – if you could call it that, and then everybody else was firing, and she was doing what she needed to do. She was drawing defenders and cleaning the glass. Sunday, I need you to go and watch old clips of Moses Malone and then watch clips of Asia Wilson because I, I put in a tweet on, on Sunday afternoon, and I don't think that it really comes across, but what we see Asia do is not rebound in the same sense as we've seen from Sylvia Fowles or Tina Charles or, or any of the, like the great rebounders that you can think of from the last 10 or 15 years of WNBA basketball. She had a moment within, I think, between three players where a, a ball came off of a jump shot. Ruthie was there, uh, Courtney Williams was there, and I think Atlanta was there. And Asia not only got up and tipped the ball to herself, she put the ball back up, missed it, put it back up again, got fouled, and put it in. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, you get tired of that. If you're playing against a person like that, you get tired of it. Not, not to mention what she can do on defense, how she alters shots, how she chases the ball down, how she ensures that there is one possession. But to be able to work the offensive glass in the same way and then still be able to take the ball off the dribble and when the need arises, pull up from the free throw line for a jump shot and hit the majority of your, free, your foul shots. Like the man said, there's no number one and number two when you talk about Asia Wilson. There is one A, one B, possibly one C, and if you really feel like it, she could be zero. Like there's, she is the top here and then everybody else is kind of down here because the performance that she put on on Sunday, you know, if MVP voting is still going on, I think that that might have won it. If 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 Connecticut had won their game in the same way as they won Game One, maybe you still have an argument. And Brianna Stewart's still out there for New York, but the way that they play and how Sabrina's come on, I think Asia's got it. I think she won. I think she went back to back. And just kind of just looking at Asia again, man.
0: I felt like coming into the series, the not necessarily advantage, but one way that the sky could dictate was by winning at doing all of the extra little things. I talked about all season Atlanta being the first to the floor, regardless of who her opponent was whenever there was a loose ball. I talked about Atlanta's rim running. I talked about her offensive rebounding. Elizabeth Williams talked about her defensive activity, prowess on the glass, boxing out, rim running, getting on the floor for loose balls i mean asia took that dynamic of the game and she not just won it but like dominated it and it's like when you start looking on the margins for okay they're not going to just outscore this team outright so you have to start chipping away at little things you got to win the extra possessions you got to not concede extra possessions lose balls you got to get every last one of them um like all the little things like that over the course of a game that i felt like this guy could dictate with and just kind of chip away at giving themselves a chance They were able to do those things in that non-Asia minutes, but when Asia (laughs) was on the floor, she was literally the player with the motor, the player with the most skill, the player that was dominating the most, the player with arguably the most usage. Like, she was just doing literally everything. She was being an MVP. So, you know, at some point, you just got to kind of tip your cap to a player like that because she was literally doing everything. And, you know, you just take it to the chin and go back to the drawing board going into next season. But... What I will say, we've talked a lot about the aces. Um, Khalil Copper and Dana Evans. Yes, sir. Those two players, oh, Wow, I'm not surprised that they had that fourth quarter that they did. I felt like at some point, because of the mindset of those two, we talked about dogs early in the season, our first podcast. Those are maybe the two biggest dogs on the team in terms of how they go about showing it imposing their will on their opponents on the defensive end as and, and, and obviously including the offensive end. Like, if you're a dog, it's going to show up on both sides of the floor because you're just a competitor. And those two showed it. Obviously, it, it's not, I'm not going to say it was to no avail, but they ultimately came up short yesterday because they were kind of outpowered in terms of roster for roster. And, again, we could talk about injuries and all of that, but just seeing what those two did, getting to the basket at will, t- paint touch after paint touch, knocking down three-point shots, um, getting the assists up, playing in transition, playing with the pace that they needed. Those two players, again – just special, man, special. And what they brought in that fourth quarter is what flipped the game on its head in moments, again, those were in the nine asia minutes. And they were able to find a way to – I think they got it to nine. Yep. They got it to around nine points. So, yeah, like just looking at how they were able to say, okay, we got one last push, we just putting pedal to the metal. Kai's going to the basket, Danny's going to the basket. They got the aces. They got Becky calling a timeout less than a minute and a half into the fourth quarter because she sees what's going on and she doesn't want to bring Asia in too quick. And then they come out of the timeout, and it's getting the same thing, and then Asia ends up coming back in a little bit earlier than normal within the rotation, just to kind of put a muzzle on everything. And it fizzled out a little bit, but just to see that from two players that have lingered from the um, the championship rendition of the team. So now they're both in bigger roles than they were in back then. That's where you want to be at going into the
1: next season, season two of a new team. RC watching the show. He said, "As an Aces fan in Chicago, I was just happy that we were disposed of the sky quick and fast, and that's what that's what was at stake at the beginning of that fourth quarter." Um, like you said, Becky was forced to call a timeout, and they were going into that fourth quarter up uh, fourteen, I believe. Actually, no, no, it was uh, twenty. It might have been twenty-four. It was, I think, it was twenty-four because they had a basket taken off that Kelsey Plum. Uh, was ruled to have let go after the shot clock expired, and then, so the sky start that quarter on a seventeen to two run. At, this is after they they lost by twenty nine on Friday, after they've been down twenty plus most of the afternoon, mm-hmm. and then you come back and you swing. You know, if you make a last swing, if if that's your last swing of the of the of the night, that was a pretty big haymaker to throw because that building was as quiet as it's been most of the season. I think. Um, we talked about the, the few times the Aces have lost, and they only lost once at home. So people were talking. I, I had um, an Aces fan on, on Spaces Friday who was very excited that they were moving from T Mobile to Michelob Ultra, their, their regular home, because of the proximity for the fans to the court, how, um, how much, how used to everybody was to the shooting backdrop, all of that. And so you're thinking. As an Aces fan, we're about to close it out. It's going to be an easy win. We're going to move on to the next round. and all of a sudden, you're looking at a nine-point deficit. The boobers didn't come out, but they were like – I think the uh, the Sprinkters tightened just a little bit because uh, knowing what that team can – what the Sky can do, what they had done, the Sky were the ones that were jumping the passing lanes. They were the ones getting out on fast breaks. They were the ones hitting the open shot. And honestly, if there was anybody on the floor that I wanted, other than Asia or Kia Stokes – to be the one taking a three um, after that second timeout, it would have been Chelsea Gray. She is just that kind of a player who knocks those shots down, and that really you know started the to close the door finally. But that 17-2 run uh, is going to something something to hang your hat on. Absolutely, something you hang your hat on because as, as I know we talked about the morning after a playoff loss, we all know what it feels like. It feels trash if you want to just like go back to sleep, but this is really something to go on as well as Kyrie signing and some of the things that we got in the exit interviews that we're going to talk about just after this break. So we want to tell you, let you know about shady rays as always the sun's out. You see the guns are out, baby. Um, Don't, don't, don't clip that. Don't clip that, please anybody. Uh, But Let's take advantage of the last bit of summertime and the early fall as we can. And that's why you need to check Shady Rays. They are the best sunglasses that money can buy, bar none. And do you know of any other sunglass company, any other company that will, if you break it, if you break a pair, they will give you a new pair free of charge. Because that's what Shady Rays will do. If you lose them, if you break them, if you sit on your glasses, if you throw them at the screen in frustration after watching the sky lose, talk to Shady Rays, reach out to them. And they'll give you a no, another pair, a new pair, no questions asked. They have a lowest price guarantee. And still, we've got this deal all summer long, and we're still bringing it to you. If you use that code CHGO, get 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Ray's sunglasses. Do You know another sunglass company that is helping out pediatric cancer patients, that is putting up playgrounds for multiple sclerosis patients, that is helping out nonprofits nationwide like Shady Ray's is? Because so dish those Ray Bans, baby! It's not <laughs> 1992 anymore. Use Shady Rays. Go to shadyrays.com and again use that code CHGO for 50 percent off your first two pairs of sunglasses. Shady Rays. Now, again, we last week I know we talked about what was it moving Moving Day at college, mm-hmm. and you need a car for that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't want to be taking the bus uh, during those winter months and dealing with getting hit from the, you ever gotten hit from slush from a from Yeah, I already tell <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet. standing at the bus stop, just waiting. And all of a sudden somebody comes screaming through and just <sighs> that wouldn't happen if you had a car from Ray Chevy and Fox Lake. I'll tell you that, Ray, not only will they give you a great deal on a car, truck, SUV. But the price that you see online, if you go to RayChevy.com, is exactly the price that you'll see in the dealership when you go to purchase your car. That, that is if you're a student. That's if you're a working professional. That's if you are a grad student. That's if you're a farmer. That's if you are an astronaut. Any profession that you can think of, the price you see online is the price that you will get in the dealership. And from now until September 30th, they're offering you a deal, 0% financing. 0% through the end through the end of this month and that goes through the end of the year. So, please check out Ray Chevy and Fox Lake. Shout out to Fox Lake all my people out in McHenry County. Ray Chevy, find new roads. The exit interviews, man, I know you were working on those today and we didn't uh, get the chance, you didn't get the chance to hear what um Emory Vatansever had to say. I uh, had a bit of a delay on that. But there were some interesting things that we already got from the exit interviews today. Want to shout out our people who are, are watching the show. RC Talks Basketball, an Aces fan in Chicago. We won't appreciate you watching the show. We won't run you out of town since you're tuning in with us. Uh, but has some things to say for Marina Mabry. Uh, Marina Mabry could have, should have, did more, and she left room for a lot to be desired. Um, also said she didn't really show up and show out. Uh, disappointing playoffs for her and Wade gave up a lot for Marina. She is a focal point when you swing a trade that big and you give up draft picks and uh, an ostensible franchise facing diamond to shields for sure. A lot of the focus is going to be on Marina. And I think she owned up to that. Um, Kevin, I know I threw one of a couple Marina quotes in our, in the hopper that Julia Poe from the, from the trip got from the exit interviews. But basically she was saying that she understood that her performance Uh, wasn't as as good as it could be. I'll make sure to get those in our our Slack channel for you, man. But physicality was something that she talked about, especially Um, the way the teams were defending her and running her through screens. A lot of things that she wasn't quite standing up to that that she felt that uh, could have been better, should have been better. What do you think about that? Um, Just how Maureen is approaching the offseason already? Well, first things first, I absolutely love,
0: especially in the social media era of athletes where you have a lot of different opinions and things being said about you on a daily basis. I cherish and value and really appreciate an athlete that is 100% transparent and truthful. And that was pretty much what Marina was her entire exit interview. Um She acknowledged that she left more to be desired on the playoff stage and just in general for the season, not just for other people's expectations, but for her own. Mm -hmm. And she owned up to, she didn't say she wasn't in shape, but she said she could have been in better shape. And she also said, she also mentioned, like you said, that she wanted to be come back stronger. And she felt like a lot of teams in terms of scouting reports it kind of caught up with her that they they realized okay maybe if you get a little bit more physical with her you can kind of start finding ways to win that matchup and the better teams that are constructed to do so were able to kind of get under her skin a little bit and she mentioned she mentioned that you know and it's for a player of Marina's uh potential to acknowledge that she wasn't at the potential she could have been at for this particular season uh that says a lot because i think before you can talk about anything as far as skill and production and all of that stuff if you can't be held accountable and i'm not talking about by a coach by your captain by your your um trainer by your parents if you can't hold yourself accountable as an athlete almost none of that other stuff matters because you're never going to reach your potential because you're getting in your own way and for her to be as transparent as she was in her exit interviews it that really spoke volumes to me in terms of her character, in terms of her trajectory, and in terms of whether I feel like she can get there as a member of the sky or not. And um, she she left she left me very impressed with the um, the poise and the maturity. Um, she was like I mentioned she she laid it all out. She basically laid out her whole scouting report. She was like, yeah, we know she can do a lot of these things, but we know that if you do these few things, you can put her in compromising situations and. Much respect to her for that, and I'm really looking forward to what she does um, overseas. I think she said she's going to be in Turkey. Okay. And then um, obviously coming back to the W next year in 2024. And we, uh, I definitely got more to speak on with her um, based off of the conversations that we had, but, but yeah, she left me very impressed
1: uh, today. How old are you again, man?
0: 28.
1: Talking about accountability. like This man sounds like he's 50. Yeah, listen, when you get put
0: in positions of leadership – and things are depending on you if that's not your language and your perspective on it you the, the ship is sinking <laughs> so so
1: yeah <laughs> that's not a point that's not just a point guard talking folks that's a, <laughs> that's a man that's a grown man talking so you, we got this quote from marina again um uh from julia poe from the chicago tribune marina said uh she likes to, i like to think of myself as a skilled player with a really high q but i get tired out there and need to be in better shape I need to be in better condition. I need to be stronger because the physicality that I saw this season is like something I've never seen before, and that's I think a testament to not only how uh, she was utilized in Dallas, but a testament to the contract. Like we talked about, she was going to be a focal. She was brought in to be a focal point of this offense. Teams were playing her like she was a focal point of this offense, and they played for that accordingly. And I think it's one a testament to Marina that she had that stretch of shooting the three, a few stretches this season where she was pretty much lights out from beyond the arc. She got the franchise record. Yeah. And I know there's more <laughs> games, but she was still put. she was putting that ball in the basket towards the end of the season and at a really critical time where this guy needed it when she just, I think, tailed off a bit going towards the last couple of games and then into the playoffs. But mm-hmm. uh, that last line, I think, is indicative of the players that James Wade brought in. Um, So I appreciate all of the players I played against showing me my weaknesses because I will make that my strength. I think it's going to be really incumbent on Sky fans to do their best to watch those overseas games, whether it's live or whether it's the playback, because seriously, all of those Eurobasket games are on YouTube. Mm -hmm. They are live on YouTube, so – not every Sky player who's going overseas will be in Eurobasket since it's a competition for the best teams in the respective leagues like um, like the Champions League in soccer. But you will be able to see a lot of team, a lot of teams, a lot of players, uh, including some of those players that we're going to talk about in the free agency list mm-hmm. on YouTube easily on Eurobasket. And if you can't watch the games, you know, borrow somebody's computer, man <laughs> like, At least check the box scores because what we saw from Dana Evans this season, that was built with Bashik this last year. Um, What we were starting to see from Rebecca Gardner, that was built with Girona. All of these overseas games in the wintertime are going to be your best friend for increasing your level of knowledge about the game and just being able to analyze the game because a lot of what is in basketball now in the professional leagues – Started in Europe too, a lot of the style of the game, taller players stepping out, and shooting threes, Spain pick and rolls, the the go to mm-hmm. in Stevens' um, analysis, the Spain pick and rolls, all <laughs> that we see them all the time now, mm-hmm. the the back screens and the and the down screens, pin downs, those cuts on the baseline, those players making plays, shh, like all stuff all the stuff we saw with Elizabeth Williams short roll, mm-hmm. that wasn't in U.S. basketball twenty years ago. So please watch those games. Um, we obviously got uh, Ka said that the head coach and GM positions are going to be split next year, mm-hmm. and um, she said she also she might not play. She might play overseas. She opted out of it last year, so that'd be interesting for that. Uh, I know she won the EuroBasket title a couple seasons back. Um, really wish we had gotten to see what Emery was going to say because a lot of people when I posted like "What's your offseason desires?" a lot of them said coach. We talked about Emory, what he brings to the table, how the team has reacted to him. So I thought it was interesting that a lot of people said that he needed a head coach. Most of them were up on the Teresa Weatherspoon train. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, without, without seeing it, has your position changed? Do you think that the Sky should or will go on a coaching search? Or will they hand the keys to Emre you know, sooner rather than later?
0: Uh, ultimately, I feel like they will go a different direction, but I don't want that to be a slight at Emery because I genuinely feel like he did as much as you possibly could. In the situation that he was, um, I mean, obviously he had to say so on whether he wanted to do it or not, but it wasn't literally by choice. It was very much um, spontaneous. So for him to do what he did, I think he showed a lot. He got a lot out of the players that we might not have necessarily – thought he would be able to um just given the constraints of everything so to see him to see him get this team to the playoffs when all the eyes were stacked against them um that just really says who he is and i think even past all of the numbers and analytics and stuff just the way that the players respond and speak about him i think that's what really um that's what really is that the foundation of everything that he was able to do success-wise um, towards down the home stretch
1: of the season? I can't agree more. Um, he said on Friday, and there was a timeout, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't miked up directly into the huddle, but there was an extended stoppage in play, and the sky were down pretty big early, and he says like we have to do it now. I just remember him saying it's like we have to do it. There's pretty much there's no time left, and they weren't able to really pull that game back, but. Like I said, they never stopped going at it. They never stopped going at it. It was really just things that they did not have available to them, whether it was players, whether it was personnel, whether it was um, specific ways of operating. It wasn't any, I think there were some things that they could have corrected for sure, but that just would have made the, the final score a little bit closer. Winning the game was not within their purview, but he got them as close as they could – to being able to win that game with what he had available to him. Um, I, I'm interested – I know we talk about Teresa Weatherspoon, but Tanya Edwards has been up in the air all season long as, her, as a really defensive-minded coach. And I think defensively this guy could use some improvements uh, as well. So I'd be interested to see if they'd give an interview to Tanya Edwards And I know there's a few more names uh, floating around there, but general manager is really where it's going to come in because coach is easy to talk about, and a lot of teams have had that head coach general manager over the the history of the league, and we're really now just seeing those roles start to split. So I'm interested to see who the general manager ends up being.
0: Yeah, that's going to be important because you want for whoever your head coach is ultimately to have some type of synergy – and connectedness to whoever it is is that general manager. Because the head coach, whoever it is, whether it's Emre or someone else that comes in, is going to have a a general idea of the type of players that fit the system that they want to run on both sides of the floor. Mm -hmm. The General manager has to not only be understanding of that, but savvy enough cap-wise to make it work. So you want the right puzzle pieces to fit the picture that the coach is trying to paint if the GM is not savvy enough or doesn't have enough reach to make that happen, there's gonna be a divide. And when you get a divide, that's when you start getting inconsistencies. The better teams, cough, cough, the, um, the Mystics, are built the way they are because the head coach and general manager either were the same person or they're on the same page like they are now. And I mean, you can look at the Aces the same way, you can look at a couple of other teams. They're consistent because there's a connectedness there. And when you're able to find that type of harmony and have the reach within that from both the head coach and the general manager, the head coach basically plants the seed and the general manager is the one that executes the completion. And if you have those two things working in tandem, that's when you start building a team. You can kind of transition, even expedite the process of getting better in the new rendition. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for, that things can happen quickly and that they can start – figuring out how to put
1: the puzzle pieces together next season. I'm glad you brought that up because we got the sky have a lot of free agents on the books that they are looking at, not just not outside the organization first, but there's players up that they have to re resign. Um, Kevin, I know you got that graphic for the um, the sky free agents before the, the free agents that are available next year. And I want to be clear about um, a couple of the terms here unrestricted free agent they can sign with whomever. They don't have to wait for an offer sheet. Um, Ruthie Hebert is a restricted free agent, which means that she's five years service in, and any offer that she gets from any team, the Sky could match. So pretty much a team could say, we're offering you 80000 90000 what have you, and if the Sky decides to match it, then they're good. If they don't, then Ruthie goes to another team. Reserve free agents on the left are have less than that five years of service time, and they can only listen to offers from their team. So the Sky are the only team that can send them any offers unless they outright release them. So here, obviously, you've got some things to think about. Courtney Williams was running that point position for most of the season for the Sky, and Alana Smith we've talked about so much. Uh, But also Rebecca Gardner is do a deal uh, Morgan Birch had some time in the lineup at the beginning of the year and then Robin Parks really came on strong at the end of the year. So where do you go with, with these names, you know, notwithstanding some of the tidbits that we got from the exit interviews?
0: Well, I think a lot of what we're talking about in terms of the head coach part is gonna play a role in the Courtney Williams dynamic. And it's not obviously not an in indictment or a slight against Courtney because she I mean I've you can just check my timeline on Twitter, you could revisit any podcast. Courtney's been so great this season as a point guard. She's probably been a top 5 point guard in the W this season. And that's saying a lot for a player that this is their literal first season in a professional setting on the W side as a point guard. Yeah. So to do that to be top 5 I think in assists and to have multiple triple doubles under your belt and yeah, Courtney is <laughs> Courtney is Courtney is she, she got a lot of go. She can go. <laughs> she can go. So this is not an indictment against her, but head coaches are often particular about point guards because that's the person that's going to be the proverbial extension of the head coach. That's the person that is going to be commanding things inside the, the, um, the court in between the sidelines. Um, the coach only has so much of a uh, reach that they can have. That, that, that point guard is going to be the person that's putting people in positions getting the ball where it needs to be, keeping the team, moving in alignment with whatever the system is. And, you know, coaches are particular at times, so maybe they might want to go a different direction at point guard. Maybe whoever the coach is ultimately might be impressed with what Courtney did this season. But I think figuring out what direction whoever the coach is wants to go at point guard is going to be most important, and then building your roster out after that. Um, Obviously there's other needs that are going to be done, but I just feel like the point guard position is the great – is the great equalizer the thing, the trump card even um that's why you see the liberty go and get all of these pieces but they also make sure that they go get courtney van that's why you see the aces have their ups and downs but when they go get chelsea gray now they're the gold standard of the
1: w everything's steady after that correct
0: that's why you see of course they had their own injury issues this season but kurt miller go from coast to coast from connecticut to los angeles what does he do make sure to bring his point guard with him jasmine thomas like, all of these – like, the teams that have inconsistencies on offense or defense that make the playoffs are the teams that usually aren't as settled in at point guard as other teams are. And you can look on the men's side of basketball and see the same thing. There is a direct correlation there. You can't um, – there are multiple initiators of offense in this new era of basketball, but you can never overstate having a point guard. Um, and I think that's going to be important for the team going into the new, the new head
1: coaching era. I agree with that. Um, I think it's, I hate to put a prediction on it. I don't know if we'll see Courtney Williams back next season, just because of what you said, one, we're bring, they're bringing in a new general manager. They're most likely bringing in, I, I would be, I wouldn't be, I would be surprised if they don't bring in a new head coach. And so at that point you're looking for somebody who fits that mold of what those two people want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some interesting head coaches on, or uh, sorry, point guards, on the free agent market, which, um, I mean, we can, we can bring that one up too. There were a few names that jumped out to me on that list where I was like, oh, yeah, I've kind of wanted this person for a while and it will be cool to bring them in. Um, Natasha Cloud in Washington and Ariel Powers, who didn't – Ariel Powers was pretty much out of the rotation by the end of the season in Minnesota, which, you know, take it as you will – but I think those players are are ideal for somebody who and Leisia Clarendon honest honestly on this list is my favorite. Somebody who can run your offense, make the passes that you need to, and just be steady. Just be steady veteran presence, another steady veteran presence in the in your locker room within your team. Uh, but there's like I said, there's a lot of directions that this guy could go. I think re signing Alana Smith is the is the the primary focus right now because you paid $100,000 for this year and she, she performed. She, she earned that check. And this, it really feels like the Azaree Stevens um, miss out last year that the Sky weren't able to retain a front court player who runs the floor well, who plays good defense, who can hit the outside shot and rebound. And they were able to find that with Atlanta – and I don't, want the, I don't think that they should try and go searching for it again. Uh, so I think re-signing Atlanta Smith is up there. Um, it would be nice to retain Robin Parks. Uh, just really for the – so, so many unsung players off the bench contributed for the sky this year. But there's going to be some sweepstakes, boy. Skyler Diggins-Smith is not coming back to Phoenix. Um oh, absolutely not. Not at all. And there's definitely plenty more information
0: that's going to be from that situation. <laughs> I don't. The more she gets a concrete um, a situation set for herself going into next season. Oh, she's gonna be tired. even not next season. I want to not jump the gun and say whenever she feels like she's ready to come back to play. Let me phrase it that way. Um, there will be a, there will be more uh, coming out on that for sure.
1: But, yeah, it's, it's either gonna be Roz or Holly Roll, La Somebody's gonna have a sit down interview like with with <laughs> Skyler, man. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some heat that Matt Ishbia might have to do some damage control for, but I, I don't I don't see this guy getting in on the Skyler sweepstakes just because they have those positions kind of set with Marina and Ka. Uh, but Brittany Griner would be interesting to see if the Sky take a run at her. A lot of people talked about getting a post player that is more physical, and that Brittany's not necessarily a double digit rebound type player, um, but she is just with her height, with her skill set. I think she's a she's a solid passer out of the higher low post. She can get you buckets. And we saw the Aces have trouble with Tierra McCowan this year. So if you get a player of similar height and skill, I think you put pressure on them. And right now New York are those two top teams that you're chasing.
0: I I feel like Brittany is going to stick around with, with the Mercury um, because Diana is going to be staying there as well. And I feel like those are the pillars of the franchise. They have been. Uh, they've won how many championships together like they have so much experience together i don't i just don't see britney uprooting herself and then obviously everything that she had coming into this season that's a good point i can't see her changing locations um i actually could see skylar coming to this guy wow really and it, again it goes back to head coach preference at point guard specifically one thing Again, and none of this is in any way an indictment against Courtney Williams. They just go about playing the position differently. And even past that, Skyler is more of a true point than Courtney was being kind of thrusted into that position this season. So with Skylar, she is an elite dribbler, first of all, just handling the ball. She's an elite driver. One thing that the Sky were missing this season, when we talk about the, um, the drum roll, please, working against switches. One of the biggest issues was that they don't have multiple players that could get past the initial defender and put the defense in rotation. That was either Dana or it was Kai. Courtney could do it at times. Marina could do it at times, but their cup of tea is more so uh, working with the defense in rotation already. So you put Skyler in that situation. now she's driving past players. like it's just little like little tweaks like that that can help expedite the process and make them better suited against teams that like to switch. Which is ultimately something that all of the, the good teams can do on the playoff stage, that's gonna help you. Skylar has that. Uh is also one of the best point of attack defenders in the WNBA. Uh should have been all defensive team her last go around, in addition to having like a top seven MVP season. So you get the scoring with the defense and then the playmaking is equal to, if not, um, if not just a little bit more different than the way Courtney goes about it as well you get those dynamics all into the mix with the sky and what they have I think it could be really good so if they if they do decide to go a different direction in terms of point guard I feel like if it's not skyler then they should just stick with Courtney because it's not really that many options that make you really want to just up and change I can't see Natasha leaving Washington and that's like another big thing for me so you know just kind of stuck there but I think I think there is a chance that skyler could potentially come to the sky
1: I want to I want to make sure I think I'd have to go back, but I think that there was a like Natasha got the ovation in the last regular season game. I don't know if she did the wave to the crowd, but it was one of those moments um, where it was like uh, you know is is was that it was that the the farewell, but you you gotta wait and see. The Skylar one is tough. I would I would like to see it because if you could make that work. You have a team that's just going to get in your face from, from the first whistle to the last one. Her, Marina, Ka, Dana. Um, Elizabeth's going to be quiet, but then she's going to block your shot to next week. I think the problem is the sa- navigating the salary cap at that point because Ka's got the super max, and she got a, um, one of the richer deals in the signing period, uh, two years, at a total of 490000 So... The Sky are a little bit un- – they're under the cap right now. They're well under the cap. I think they are still like 500,000. But in terms of re-signing who and for how much, because Rebecca Gardner is on that reserve free agency deal, and I think that's a primary target that they want to re-sign Rebecca Gardner for their offense and their defense. Mm-hmm. Then you're looking at, you know, Skyler's going to command a Supermax. For I don't know if she's going to take anything less than that for t- coming to a team like the Sky – then you're talking about, you're like, where, how do we navigate? How do we move this money to make it work? So I think they should offer a deal, no doubt. I think when a player of her caliber comes on the market, especially when you're pretty much like there's no chance that she's going to re-sign with her current team, you take your shot. But I don't know if it works um, logistically, economically for them. That's the only thing. Um, and I think that's where your draw from the front office
0: comes into play. So, first of all, you nail your head coaching situation. Whoever you're most ten toes down about, you stamp that as soon as possible. If it's tomorrow you can stamp that, perfect. Now you have that much more time than you feel me. Get into the intricacies of making these decisions. Stamp that, stamp your general manager, and then you can start using the draw of a player like Dwayne Wade from the front office. Who, I mean, who doesn't have respect for him that plays the game? Like, forget the fan perspectives and all the rivalries. If you are a player of basketball in any level and you you don't even have to really watch. You just know who Dwayne Wade is. Um, his draw is something that I feel like is gonna play a role in the roster construction for this guy moving forward. And I think he even said he's not really sure of what his exact role with the front office is gonna be when he spoke with Holly Rowe. They were still working out the intricacies of that, but just having him there. And obviously being locked in with the process of the practice uh, facilities uh, and just bettering the community engagement and things like that, that's all going to help. But his draw for free agents is going to be something that's going to help this team at some point, and I feel like it might just be this upcoming offseason. So, you know, you can get to talking about numbers and all of that, but if you have somebody like Dwayne Wade that's co-signing, bringing a player in, they pitch, you get Khalil Copper dropping any bit of a dime in terms of, hey, I like you, i like to play with you, something like that, that's a lot of draw. I can't see that many players in terms of looking at situations across the W. Where you can genuinely, you can genuinely compete. If you got Dwayne Wade talking to you, and then you got Khalil Copper talking to you, who, as far as champions go, how many teams have won a championship the last two years besides the Aces in the Sky? Like that's it. And who that's was the point. who was the conference or who's the championship MVP?
1: <laughs> that's a good point.
0: You know, that's a lot. There's a lot of draw there, so I think that could help them as well. Um, in terms of navigating the negotiation waters, but that is very
1: relevant to bring up, though, for sure. For sure. All right, man, we're coming to the close of the show, uh, but I want to take one moment to really put a bow on the season, and that's looking at your favorite moment from the year. Like, if you just close your eyes and think back, what your favorite moment for the year is um, for the for the season that was?
0: Yeah, I kind of struggle with this one. Um, just because there's multiple moments that come to mind. Um, Obviously, Dana coming into her own um, in Dallas specifically with Odyssey Sims and (laughs) And all of that back and forth. (laughs) All of that back and forth. Um, Kalia Copper continuing to make teams change the way they defend her and not just make them change the way they defend her, but having answers to all of those things that they try to pose to her over the course of a game springboarding that into a career season, yet another career season, in a line of career seasons that she's stacked up at this point about three in a row now. Um, Courtney Williams coming into her own as a point guard and everything that comes with that. And She talked about managing personalities as a leader in the team with the ball in her hands all the time as being a, not a struggle but something that she had to um, – a challenge she had to come stand up to. and She felt like she did a great job in that, and I agree. Uh, Elizabeth Williams playing more minutes than she has at any point in her career this season. Career highs and um, steal totals, block totals um, almost in points um, like what can't you say about her Atlanta like you could just run down a long list of things but if I had to nail just one thing I would say that stretch of games where they had the win streak where they beat Dallas twice because yeah. I felt like that was the peak of the team and I felt like it came at the right time, and then they had that six days off, five days off until their next game, and that high in terms of momentum that they were riding on and that peak of play where the offense was playing off of the defense and then the defense was playing off of the offense, uh, the Dana dynamic, the Kyle dynamic, Marina, Courtney, Elizabeth, Atlanta, everything was clicking the way that it possibly could at its peak with the players that aren't in the rotation there. I would go with that, man, because that, that was just special. And it really seemed like they were turning a corner. I think at that point they were like sixth. So they were still very well in the thick of things. Right. You know? So I think that was it. And then Emre, his stamp on the team was really starting to show itself too, the way they ran their offense, the multiple schemes defensively. They brought in the zone on the 2-3 zone, and that was really what won them the weekend, in addition to just the other things that they were doing. It was just fun. That was a good space for them.
1: We had, um, according to Char, longtime uh, Sky fan, has had that exact moment. Um, actually, sorry, that was Ike, uh, our man Ike, who is a producer. Man, if y'all don't check out Ike, you guys on Twitter, mm. getting to <laughs> produce your new single, all of you aspiring um, uh, lyricists out there, mm. put up that immediately. Put up that photo from the from the game in Dallas with uh, Dana and that stare down with Odyssey Sims, Battle of the Headbands, right there. <laughs> Dana stand, Dana, five foot six of fury, man. And that was, that was definitely a good moment, especially for a Sunday afternoon game. That was dope. Shar um, actually had what I had forgotten about, that game against Indiana that Atlanta hit the buzzer beater layup to tie and force overtime. and This guy won that one. That was good. That was uh, one hell of an ATO by James. That was fantastic. That yes, that, that dribble handoff. And then Marina coming in and, and making a good pass down low and – Atlanta. Sealing off Man. that ceiling sp- off that side, and it was still a tough layup. Mm-hmm. Still a tough layup. She had to get it off in time, and she was going right-handed underneath the basket. So that was a that was a really really good play. And it's, just on that moment, you
0: talked about switching. Indiana switched on that, and they did something they didn't do consistently enough this season. Atlanta slipped the screen, and she was wide open. That's a microcosm.
1: <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> I would say my favorite one was the second half against New York in New York um, where Cobb went, went nuclear, put up uh, 19 points in the second half, four threes, and the Sky came back to beat the Liberty after losing a game on Friday, which I was like, there's no way they're losing this game. Mm -hmm. And that was probably my favorite moment of the season. So it's still up. We still got that tweet up on the CHGO Twitter uh, handle. Tell us, let us know what your favorite moment of the season was want to thank everybody who's come in with us, Kevin, producing for us today, our man Lawrence, uh, Super Sarah, who is not with us, um, sorry, that sounded a little grim, she's just not on the show today, <laughs> she's Sarah's just not she here. She was here last just week, let right. clarify, she was here last week. <laughs> My bad, y'all. <laughs> um, and all the guests that we brought in this year, um, Nakias Duncan came in with us. Uh, Grant Dorsey came with with us Katie Duffy, the man Mike Hughes, check out Mike's show on YouTube every single day this man is putting up quality content and giving you information that you can only get uh, from a guy who has the end with with players around the league. And we had we had so many with Shimmy Gray Miller from last mm-hmm. week who came in with Steven on an amazing show. If you haven't checked it out, check that out too. Um, Shimmy had a lot of thoughts about the head coaching search over the offseason, too. So we want to thank everybody who's coming with us. Just, oh, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. Jason doing his thing now in Detroit back home. Mm-hmm. Man, it's been a long, it's been a long year. Any, any final words? We're not done for the season. We're going to be back. There's still WNBA basketball to be played. But any final words on the sky, man? Uh, I would say for fans
0: that just especially after how reactionary things were last season, there's more decisions and things to be made for this upcoming offseason. So my word for the offseason is patience. <laughs> Please, they, they've they earned patience from the, the fan base. We love a fan base that's um, very, very much in tune with all the things that are going on with the franchise. Just be patient. Allow for them to run this, their decision-making course with every decision they're making in terms of these positions, and the team is gonna be the team is gonna be in the playoffs again next season. I'll go ahead and write that off now. I'll go as far as saying they'll probably be a top five seed next Let's season. Let's go. So Let's go. Allow for them to do the things they need to do for them to put themselves in that position and then everything else is gonna handle itself from there. But be patient with
1: them. Can't say it better myself. He's Stephen Garner at stateus.3 As always, check the writings on. Stephen is going to have a lot for you in the, in the offseason, the WNBA offseason, because he'll be writing for PHNX Suns. He's going to be doing his thing right there. And I'm Chris Pennant at Quandary Kitten. That's K-W-A-N-D-A-R-Y Kitten. And you can always follow the show at CHGO underscore Sky. And follow CHGO Sports at CHGO underscore Sports. For all of us, from us to you, this has been the CHGO Sky Show. Until next time, be good, keep your head above the clouds.